This is an irregularly regular podcast recorded on the various lands of First Nations peoples. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. It is the air that is breathed, the water that provides, but ownership of the land that is stood on remains unresolved. Respects are paid to elders past and present in this ongoing struggle for self-determination and the quest for reclamation. This is the first podcast I'm doing on this channel. Um, I don't even have a name for it. So um, at the moment, it's just like the uh, Totally Awesome Placeholder Name Podcast. Uh, I'm hoping to uh, take it back to the community and see what um, uh, what names could potentially come along. But um, I do have an interview for my first podcast. Um, I have a very patient gentleman with me um, that had to wait through a, an amount of technical issues. Uh, his name's Peter. And, uh, Hi. Yeah. Hello, Peter. Peter uh, lived in the, the Macquarie Field Social Housing Estate for a bit. And uh, as a community worker, a few years under my belt with um, community development work on social housing estates, I thought it might be good for us both to do a bit of reflection. But... Um, I understand in the news recently there has been some issues happening down in Melbourne, which um, for me it kind of gives me a sense of deja vu. So perhaps myself and Peter might find ourselves um, identifying some overlapping issues uh, with what's happening on those Melbourne towers as well as um, days spent both as a resident and as a worker on the Macquarie Fields estate. So, um, yeah, Peter, if you just want to give us a bit of a spiel about who you are, what you come from, and uh, what your thoughts are. Uh, before retirement, I worked uh, for about 25 years on the railway and lived in the Macquarie Fields public housing estate. Um, very run-down, forgotten part of the world, really, just outside of Liverpool. Uh, the, the rights, uh, uh, correct me, it was about... 2000. Uh, oh, no, be later in the decade. Yep, what were the rights, Bart? 2005. Okay. Yeah, you're correct there. In the middle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, it was a response, as I said, to. Um, I mean, policing was, was uh, the answer to the, the social problems that were were there and it wasn't really a, a solution to anyone because it was just harassment the police would pull up and and question youth on the streets and uh, and uh, harass people over over petty issues and and most people became most of the young males in particular uh, were pretty disaffected with um, that style of policing which Still goes, still goes on today, and I don't think th many of the social problems still exist there. It was also, it also became an excuse much later than after the after the riots to move people out, saying they wanted a, a social mix of housing where 
you had a, a, a new middle class move in. Uh, houses were being sold as, as they could and, and anyone they couldn't afford to buy was just moved to the central coast around the Wyong region or well, they were given three choices, I think, at, at the time. And um, and you moved a little bit later, didn't you, Peter? I, you, I, so yeah, you I stayed there till I retired, yes. Okay. And now you, you see large swathes of paddock where, where there was previously housing. I mean, you're talking hundreds of families that were actually um, without housing that were either moved out of the area. And, and the plan was that... Uh, privatisation of those those, those uh, vacant paddocks was to take place, as it did in Minto, the suburb next door, where uh, you had that new mix of um, uh, public and private housing. But in Minto, you still have the same problem because the people in private housing, uh, they built very small houses close together and very few facilities in the area. So, And then you still had uh, a few... The, the hangover from 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 public housing in that in that area as well. So none of the social problems were fixed. All they did was privatise it. I remember um, with Minto, um, there was definitely a limbo period there where um, where because an amount of houses got knocked down, like public housing, um, and once they got knocked down, then you had to wait for contractors to come along to actually build the new housing. Um, there was a matter of years there where it was just like a ghost town and there was no consumer drive there, everything was just laid to, laid to waste really. So, I mean for me with Minto and Macquarie Fields uh, with those, those particular redevelopments, what, what really does um, come to me is that idea that um, these things only are really motivated when, the, when there's actually money involved and, um, and when it becomes a, an idea of private and market ideas in order to advance things along. But I suppose what I'm wondering about is, is just how useful and, and I suppose how even how healthy that is for public housing residents. You do have a shopping centre, but I mean, is, 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 a, shopping, is, is, a, is a shopping mall uh, uh, something that, that, that adds to a community or is it just... To, to draw the money out of them. I mean, the public housing, you had community, you had island communities that that were very close-knit. They helped each other. Even um, people people worked together. They found ways around. They, they worked as a community. Those communities were split up before that. Once you put a, a private housing um, uh, in and you, get, and you move people into private housing, it becomes an individual sort of thing because they're not all in the same boat and, and, and you don't have that same level of cooperation. Yeah, uh, I guess we found ourselves talking a bit about the, the, Minto, the Minto example. Um, I do recall when um, with the, the Minto social housing estate, when that got knocked down, um, a lot of the community services that were, um, that were around at the time were actually... Um, leased up within the old houses um so when um, when the houses got knocked down so did the community services so and i did notice that once the houses got rebuilt um the services didn't necessarily follow suit so it kind of makes me wonder there about um and then you mentioned this earlier peter about the the idea of social mix 
um, where uh, I suppose to sound a bit blunt about it is that um, the idea is that if you do come up with something, uh, an estate structure where it's a little bit of public, a little bit of private, the expectation is by having both sets of residents with each other that the aspirations and the ideals and the um and the drive and the verve will um will rub off onto the other um and if you can figure out which one is which uh, i think for me it's to, it, it would seem like um and perhaps with this example of Minto and with the services not coming back that perhaps some of those issues may have become a bit more invisible with social mix. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts might be there, Peter. The other thing is that um, those settlements are on the fringes of the city, um, on the fringes of Campbelltown, on the fringes of Liverpool, Mm. and they're they're pretty much uh, like uh, hidden away from 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 the mainstream. I mean, that was the big big issue in in Macquarie Fields as well. Things that, that happened there were not necessarily part of, of the mainstream and and having having that sort of hidden poverty that hidden lack of opportunity the hidden social problems um, actually allowed them to exacerbate and and there's no action on them because it's not something that um, one of the one of the things that happened during the rise was that that Pandora's box was opened up and and um, you had all sorts of politicians and and and, uh, and and government officials saying, "Look, we don't want you to talk to the media. We want we we don't want to let this cat out of the bag." And and uh, Peter, just with the rights in Macquarie Fields, um, do you want to just provide a bit of a background? Like, what were the the circumstances that kind of led to it? And I mean, there's there's always a trigger, of course, for for that, but. To get people to act and to, to challenge authority, you have to have an underlying sense of hopelessness in, in a way because you have to go to the point of saying, I'm putting everything on the line. If you're going to challenge authority in that way and throw bricks at the coppers and and, 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 and bring the state government down upon yourself, and, and many of those young people uh, are still going through the prison system today, mm. you know, um, you took, uh, that's 15 years or so later. So it, it, it's that sense that you if, you, if you don't do something, you're not going to get noticed. So it's, a, it's, a, it's also a, a physical way of trying to resolve problems that can't be resolved by the state. You know, mm. that's, the, that's the way I see it. I see that you're talking about the... Uh, the, the problems of the Flemington Towers, um, there are strong rumours that some of the towers have already been privatised and that, that they, they want to knock more of those uh, towers where, where they actually want to knock them down saying that they're un, unsuitable or, or whether they'll be uh, just privately run like the ferries and leased uh, to, a, to a private company. Yeah, uh, and and run privately, and, and they and they collect the rent. Um, I, I'm not sure, but uh, it it is cert- certainly using the this disaster that's happening with uh, COVID nineteen in those poorer communities as a as a catalyst to be able to do that. I mean, that's the disaster 
type capitalism that that we're living under. That's you know. Yeah, there's definitely been a bit of documentation about that particular term over the last decade, mm. disaster capitalism. Um, it's interesting. Do you want to talk a bit bit about disaster capitalism there, Peter, and maybe um, how that can be referred to um, potentially what could happen with those towers? Oh, you are. It's just a matter of, um, I mean, you might have seen recently, um, although um, businesses are not doing well, the stock market has been on the up and up. And uh that some people, uh, those uh, like Google, Facebook, uh, uh, Amazon, and all those tech companies are all mm. all doing quite well mm. um, because of COVID nineteen. And there'll always be people that will profit on the on the worst aspects of of, of what happens to humanity. I mean, uh, um, <laughs> it's no different to any third world country where where the worst disasters in those countries um, can be capitalised on on by the by those that come in as vultures and and just uh, take what they need. And it's no different in in public housing when you privatise it. Um, you have to wait for that uh, moment when when disaster strikes, and then you pounce and and, and use that mm. opportunity. They see it as an opportunity to mm. to to. Um, uh, profit from it yeah i mean for me the um the idea of a, of a neoliberal project and i mean it's probably been something that's continued now for about 40 or 50 years um it's something that i've certainly um only really known <laughs> because things become more and more market driven um there is a great a gradual deterioration of public interest and public resources and as a result, finding um, a lot more market rationale as a way of providing, I guess, in the eyes of the, the ones that produce the policies, that um, they are solutions. Uh, we've kind of touched upon how that might necessarily be working within public housing estates. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I suppose with... Um, with uh, the way things have gone with the deterioration of um of the of of public commons and all and that sort of thing is that um when you have a profit motive you kind of lurch from crisis to crisis because that's where in a very cynical way um they could be lucrative opportunities i guess going back to um the social housing example you feel that that could be referred to um, to what's potentially happening at Fle- the, the, the Flemington Towers there, Peter? Oh, definitely. Um, uh, any disaster these days will be profited from, yeah. Um, you have to have people that... You, you In the beginning, police were stopping people from bringing meals to those people. They were stopping uh, medicines, all the, all the wants that people needed in those in those towns because they were locked down. Mm. Um, they were actually stopped by the police. It wouldn't surprise me in the future if, if, if the government doesn't sort of contract out to a, to a private pro- provider, even though um, uh, Australian unions have, have sort of um, got groups together to go and provide food and everything. I mean, how long, how long will that go on? I mean, mm. further down the track, um, as I say, it, it, it'll be an opportunity for someone to make to make a buck out of it, and they will. There's a there's a big police presence there, 
how do you feel this is going to play out? Because um, I know that uh, one of the towers, uh, they've permitted people to go out and about a bit more, whereas one tower is still under the conditions of lockdown as we speak. When the police leave, or if the police leave, I mean, but then again, police have always been there, I suppose, in some shape or form. Um, maybe when they, well, a few of them, a few more of them just leave <laughs> under these extraordinary circumstances. What, um, how do you think uh, things would, um, would happen at that point? You say that this could be a potential for um, for on-selling those towers? Because, oh, I, I mean, I would hope for, um, for potentially a return I mean, to why, more public housing policy. But, but, but why why do you have 500 police? Why not uh, 500? I mean, why not set up a, a kitchen outside where, 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 where you can cook for the whole, whole of the blocks and... Uh, have people be able to come and, and collect meals and or, and and that uh, they can get their medicine there and all that sort of thing. Why do we need five hundred police? I mean, um, I mean the police are certainly are not trained these days for for sort of community help or involvement or social work. Um, you have all those social problems within the within within the public housing there. Uh, many of them are migrants. Uh, many of the police don't speak the language of the people in those in those uh, high-rise towns. So, um, and even bringing in private security. I mean, what what are you actually policing? What are, what are you actually policing? Surely, providing that providing the services that people need will actually uh, help them not not have to want or even want to go out of the out of the towers and expose themselves to or others to the virus. So. Um, what what is the policing actually doing? I mean, it's it's actually holding people. It's it's breaking the community. It's not it's not actually extending the community out into the community that which which provides the support. You know, it's, you have a, a delineation because of that that line of police. That you know, that's that's the point. I mean, I mean, going back going back to Macquarie Fields. One thing that that struck me about the the riots in Macquarie Fields is that the uprising was multicultural and 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 non-racial. So that you had Aboriginal kids, you had um, white Aussie kids, you had uh, migrant uh, children, uh, Islanders, um, and uh, people from the Middle East, all working together against authority. So they didn't delineate on any any grounds racist. See that that's interesting, Peter. Sorry yeah, to yeah. cut in. It's just it's interesting to me because I can remember the the the, the media narrative which made the which presented the spark for the riots, whether or whether or not that's actually correct. Maybe, maybe that was the spark. The maybe that was a spark. Uh, but but the thing is that um, but when you're desperate, those. I mean, yeah. what is a crime? What is the crime? What is the greater crime? Is it the crime against the, the, the mass of people that live there? Or was it the crime against that person that committed a, a petty offence? I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that's the thing about crime. I mean, the other thing that people like Stan Zamanik and all the, all the shock jocks that say, were on the radio at that time trying to set up a division between islanders and, and other kids that were on the estate and, and trying to um, tell tell the islands to go after these other kids that were that were standing up to authority, um, and, and trying to split split that that solidarity by turning it into a racist issue. No, 
and yeah. one of that that was one of the things that we we were able to overcome. But the thing was that um, police went house to house searching for people, pulling them out of their homes. I mean, I, I don't think there was any love lost um, uh, after the rise because there was retribution um, because the, um, the the of the way the police mishandled the whole the whole thing, you know. Well, I know that there was a parliamentary inquiry that followed, yep. um, where they talked about uh, where they did talk about um, what were the, the the issues leading up to the riots. So yep. it wasn't, and that's when it started um, crossing over into the the greater issues that I think we've touched upon, yep. where there is a lack of things um, and there is an isolation. Yeah. Um, I've read some of those reports, and and um, you know they the most of them are fairly academic, mm. but it doesn't they don't really get down to the nitty gritty. You know they don't get that. I mean the the context of them is you're coming from from an academic to to actually from from someone who who lived there. It's, mm. It it it's a, was always totally different. You know. So what's that gap? What's that gap then? Um. Well, I think I think uh, academics are always going to uh, produce papers that people want to hear. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> going to. Um, I mean, they're part of a system anyway. I mean that that, that um, I mean, you, you you go back to the whole thing about education and and and, and what what are universities for? What a you, you know um, who do they serve? You know, if you if you if you're uh, a social worker. That's producing a paper that's going to be presented to Parliament to, to say, oh, this this was the cause, or, or, or these are the issues around the Macquarie Fields riots, for instance. You're not going to you're not going to go into the blood and guts of class struggle, are you? I mean, you're not going to present that as a as an issue. Well, you kind of have to mind your p's and q's, that's, particularly that's, if you are a social worker. That's perhaps right. That's some right. of what you yeah. say might lie yeah. uh, upon lines of potential funding you get later yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the media, the media, when they came, they 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 had their police scanners. They knew everything that was happening. They knew when there was raids there, and I I went around with a few of them, and it was pretty pretty despicable. I mean, they're just feed, a feeding frenzy that that had no time at all for the all the all the all the reports that came out. Uh, there was one on Four Corners called the Fields of Dreams and things like that. They ended up. Uh, uh, they ended up. They ended up. Uh, it was looking down at these people. You know, this, uh, you know, this. Uh, these are the people at the bottom. You know, have a look at them. You know, that, well, there's often, yeah, yeah I mean, that, that, yeah. that's termed a struggle porn. Yeah. If yeah. You yeah, would well, say that that's probably an example of that, maybe? What was that series that SBS made over in Mount Druid? I can't, struggle Street. Street. It was a similar sort of thing where you, where you make a spectacle of people's bloody uh, uh, poverty and, and lack of opportunity, yeah. 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 So maybe if you, like, uh, I did raise the idea of that parliamentary inquiry after the Matfields riots. Like, yeah, yeah. do you feel like any solutions came of that? Uh, not for the people there. If you go there today, I mean, uh, it's and sorry, the other than, point. Mm-hmm. Sorry to cut you off, Peter, but the other point that um, that that I that I found was in, that's interesting as well. Like you were mentioning before, that um, that during the time of the riot, like there was often like a racialized narrative by the media. I'm just wondering how those types those those couple of things kind of played about. 
No, I, I, I think the, the solidarity that young people had, because they'd all experienced uh, harassment from the cops, they'd all experienced the economic hardship together. Um, some of them set up households and did crimes to feed the other people in the households. They set up, that was their only way of surviving because most of them, um, schooling was almost negligible. Their, their parents had social problems of their own, never went to school. Um, the, lack of, um, the lack of opportunity if, with education, the lack of opportunity with, um, with jobs and all the rest. These were, these were all common things that overrode any, any um, racial theme. Um, so really the, the shock jocks tried and, and even went out of their way to say, Okay, you others, don't put up with uh, this. Go out. We know you're big boys. You can go out and bash these others, out, you know. And they actually said it on there, and and um, but it never took. It never had any traction because there was more solidarity amongst the people because of the hardship they've been through, mm. than and more in common than than the the, the racial difference. I've always been interested to see how the media kind of presents. Um, presents the the, the the information and the facts, and from there it seems like there's a couple of things going on there where there is that that racialization, whether or not that might actually be true. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing as well is is that idea of like criminal entrepreneurship, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you at the risk of being a leading interviewer. It's like you would suggest that maybe there's something mythical about both of those issues. I think it was a group of boys um, surviving yep. who had a house. Yep. And I know those boys. They provided for themselves because no one, none of their elders provided for them. Mm. None of the community provided for them. Mm. They provided for themselves. Okay. So it was a bit like, I don't like to use the word Robin Hood, but in, in a way they, they looked after each other. They built a, a common solidarity. They worked they worked um, to support each other. They made sure there was food. Uh, they paid their rent. Um, and, yeah, if it, if, if it was from the proceeds of crime, it was about survival. It was nothing more than that. And, yeah, I mean, I think that um, there were elements of criminality. Mm. But as far as being involved in crime... Um, I mean, what, what do you term crime? I mean, if people are just providing for themselves and, and um, I mean, it, the greater crime is, is either, either by the state, by the media, by, by all, the, all the superstructure that failed to support them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, there seems to be um, a, a media narrative and it mightn't necessarily be the, the most um, true reflection of, um, of how things happen uh, within the estate. And I guess uh, within the, the estates, particularly Macfields, and I don't know if the, necessarily the solutions were forthcoming or not, but it sounds to me that there might be a few obstacles that, um, that are potentially getting in the way before... Um, yeah, I think that you, you'll find the same situation in the... Um Flemington Towers too. Um, you've got, from what I can gather, and I don't have that much experience uh, of what's happening in the Flemington Towers, but it seems to me that you've got uh, a migrant mix there. 
um, people are clear. They have they they've supported each other within those towers uh, as a, as a matter of survival. Um, the police see it as a as a as a as as a criminal issue. The people there see it as a survival issue, and um, th there's great solidarity. Um, I'd say across racial lines, even in um, in the uh, Flemington Towers. So, mm -hmm. and and that was the case in in Macquarie Fields as well, because in individual solutions and privatisation, in the end, just doesn't work. It ostracises people and 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 puts them outside the mainstream. Mm. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting stuff to think about, Peter, um, because to me it doesn't sound like the solutions are so readily apparent, but um, I think perhaps the first step is to try to figure out what the actual truth is. We we actually tried to um, build a movement in uh, one of the, my efforts in, in Macquarie Fields while I was there to try and build something with the, a lot of the young people there. But what happened, you got um, the Catholic Church move in there and, and start setting up... Uh, visit centres where young people could go and started handing out money and so forth. And uh, Are you the, talking about the youth centre that popped up? youth centre, oh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean... A notable um, religious, uh, religious philanthropist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, the black communities have, have experienced that as well in the US where, where they all, you know, they just turn to religion and, and all your problems will be over. It never solved anything, really. Uh, it's a facade, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, and, and and you had the, the the major parties on the estate that had their own people who had a vested interest in making sure that nothing else went ahead. So when on the anniversary of the riots, the police used to have a big show of force on the estate because they they didn't want people. To, that main thing was to keep people apart. Uh, yeah. They didn't want to build any solidarity. It's a political issue, and and and. That was the, the thing that we tried to do, which we could never achieve. Well, it seems to be the the ongoing constant, isn't it? That um, that because of the isolation, because of the stigma, that um, when it comes to a public housing issue, it needs to be resolved chiefly through a law and order strategy. Definitely saw that in the riots, and I think you're certainly seeing that again with the Flemington Towers. For me, and again, I guess I then I go back again to, to working out well, what is the truth of all of this stuff in terms of finding out adequate solutions. Well, the other thing, the other thing was that um, you had problems. So what do you do? You bring authority in to solve a problem, and then you face you, the the people that have the problems see that authority staring in the face. That that authority that's standing there across the uh, across the road from them um, is is only there as a as a symbol of repression, really. And what what are you going to do? Because they're not going to solve your problems. They want to repress you. You throw a brick at them. I mean, it it, it wasn't bringing all those police and the and the TRG and the riot squad or whatever into into the estate was never ever going to say, the same as in, in, in Victoria. Is it is are the police in the in the Flemington Tower block actually resolving the issue or are they just showing the face of authority mm. which is not going to resolve the issues, you know? Mm. You can't treat it as a crime problem. I mean this the um, people's 
people's uh, vision of crime is, is only relative to the repression that they've felt. These are, these are not people that are committing million dollars of, of um, crime like uh, people who desecrate um, uh, Aboriginal artefacts in, by bulldozing sacred sites and, and all, that, all that sort of thing. I mean, these are, these, are, these are people that are just looking after their needs. You know, that's, that's mm. the difference. And the real crime are those people that pay no tax, that don't provide for the people on the fringes of our cities. You know? mm. Well, I've always understood a right to be a, an emotional reaction um, and what is that reaction about? And um, I think you, you've definitely mentioned some issues there about economic desperation yeah. rather than it just being some sort of um, idea of it being bad seeds. I, I just don't think that that really washes, particularly after what we've just discussed. Yeah. I think from there is is that what is the political solution and... Um, I do hope that that, that something might um, might come about in the in the Flemington Towers, but we'll just have to see. But Examples isn't that the that thing might... that the police are there to stop? Yeah, that it's stopping that coming about. We've we've talked about prior examples, and um, if that provides any form, yeah, yeah. So I think we've uh, we've certainly had a bit of a chat there about the um, the particulars about um, public housing estates, Peter, and and what are the different social forces. Thank you very much. Forces. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Well, thank you for your time, Peter. It has been my first podcast, so um, we'll see uh, we'll see how the technology is um, has culminated in coming up with um, with a final copy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for your time.